This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes, even in a time of crisis. So right now, we're watching as people are thinking about coming back to work. And this is a scary time. There are employees who are scared. Employers are scared. And so how do you handle the risks of opening your business? Or how do you handle the risks of being an employee going back to work? That's what we're going to discover today is how to protect your employees as a business owner, how to protect your customers, how to protect your business. Okay. And some of it is protecting your business from your customers and your employees. So we're going to, we're going to discuss those risks, how to deal with that. We are very, very lucky to have a, an expert in this, uh, Bob Romanalt, who is uh, a partner with the law firm uh, Fisher Phillips based in Columbus, Ohio, where they, they are really at the forefront of this. They have, they've taken the lead um, in Ohio uh, to uh, this em whole employment issue and how to deal with the employment issue. And so we're just really fortunate, Bob, to have you on the show. Um, welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, Bob. Thanks for having me. Uh Tom, I really appreciate the the opportunity. Again, we've been uh, in our firm. It's a national firm. Uh, we do labor and employment work exclusively, and and this has been an area where I think the firm's dedicated a lot of resources. We've got a COVID nineteen task force that has dedicated a lot of resources to really trying to help employers solve this problem. We've got a very good website that provides a lot of uh, of free information to employers who are interested. In, Again, I know we've gotten a lot of compliments on that uh, on that web page because it's been, uh, I think, an important and, resource. And, and go ahead, Bob, go ahead and give us that website. Uh, it's fisherphillips.com, F-I-S-H-E-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. Awesome. Okay, well, so, Bob, let's talk about this because this has been on my mind. We just, this last weekend, started to be opening up some states more than others, you know, mm -hmm. um, some states really never shut down. I mean, South Dakota pretty much never shut down. So what, let's start with employers because we have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs. What are the risks that employers are looking at as they start to reopen or think about reopening their businesses and bringing people back to work? You know, they've been maybe remotely working. Now they're going to bring them back to work, whether they're restaurants or whether they're, uh, you know, bricks and mortar type businesses what are the risks that uh, they have to be aware of? Yeah, I, I would. I think there's several risks. One uh, is the obvious risk that you're going to expose one of your employees uh, to at the workplace, and they develop the virus. Obviously, if it spreads to other workers, that's even a worse scenario. And again, we've seen some of those issues play out in certain industries. Uh, that causes problems for liability issues, workers' compensation issues. There's morale issues of your employees when they're coming back into the workplace. Uh, in, the, in these employees, uh, again, are going to be discouraged from returning to work. Uh, we're concerned in, in that there may be also an uptick. In, employers may have an uptick in union activity if they're not good about how they're handling this uh, situation and this scenario. That's, you know, again, your factory workers. And that concern is out there. So you have the risk of exposure. And, and the complications that will come from that risk and the liabilities that come from that risk. You, you mentioned the union risk, which I actually think is a really big risk because I grew up, um, my father was a printer 
and he had he only had 40 employees and they decided yep. at one time to unionize and uh and he successfully broke them but not before they had trashed our cars and our house and everything else so uh, yep. I, I i've got to be right up front with everybody i am not a big fan of unions <laughs> okay uh, my dad would uh after that he would go into a store that had a pick picket line to buy something just across the picket line. And yeah. that's how, and, and these were people that he thought were his friends. They'd been employees for 30 years. And so I think this is a very serious risk, um, even for smaller employers, um, yeah. that, that they're, you know, particularly if they're in an industry that has union, has unions already set up in the industry. Fortunately, we don't have unions yet in the, um, in the CPA industry. Hopefully we won't, but I think you, I think the really big question here is, so what do you do, Bob? I mean, how, you know, it's like I was, I was doing a Facebook live um, this morning and I had somebody say, well, what they did with their tenants to get them to pay was they, they gave everybody a discount. They said, you know what you pay, you, you pay your rent this month, you get a discount. And so they got people to pay their rent. I think that was a really good idea. That was a very proactive idea. What do you think employers ought to be doing? First of all, to get their workplaces ready. And then second of all, how do they deal with the natural fear of employees coming back to work in a group environment? Yeah, and I think that that's uh, really the important issue here. And that's what you see this play out. You're talking about the union issue. Uh, and again, you see, you've seen how that is starting to play out a little bit with Amazon and some of the other uh, employers are out there who are getting some pushback uh, because of... Uh, of the of some problems out there uh, associated with the return to work, you know, a couple of I think there's a high profile whistleblower at Amazon. You know, those uh, those issues are are certainly out there in, in terms of that risk. The reputational risk is is definitely a concern uh, for these employers. So what again? What do they do? I think uh, again, if you look at employers, I probably shouldn't be using real employers that are out there in the workplace, but the extent there are Oh, go for it, Bob. They're trying to do the right thing. You do have the Amazons of the world who've taken a lot of steps to protect their work, workers in their workplace. That's the first thing that employers need to do. So prepare a plan to, to reopen. There are two really important protocols that are out there, it's CDC guidelines and the OSHA guideline. And they provide some very detailed instructions on reopening and what employers need to do to protect their employees. Uh, it's important for OSHA that employers do develop these plans and have something in place that'll help limit any kind of citations down the road if the employer has taken a good faith effort to adopt a program or plan. The second thing, following the federal, state, and local guidelines for lo local reopenings is important. You, you want to be following your procedures. In Ohio, we've got a very proactive governor here, uh, Governor DeWine, who's done, I think, uh, a lot of people are very I've been very impressed with how he's managed the process here and how he's uh, working through this dilemma of reopening the state. Um, and there's a lot of push pulls uh, on him. But uh, again, make sure you're following those state guidelines in terms of when you can reopen. I, I'm going to give sort of some tips to employers as they reopen. They should consider one of his continued telework, you know, where, where you're, you're able to have your employees telework and you want to bring them back to work. Uh, and provide that income. Again, the PPP program may provide you with an incentive to bring those employees back to work. You can bring them back to work and have them telework that it is a way to eliminate the risk. 
phased in return to work. You don't need to bring everybody back at once. Um, and it's probably important that you do phase in. You may want to consider staggered work shifts so that you don't have uh, as many people in the plant or the facilities at one time as possible. Requires employees to report symptoms when they, if they're sick, high fever, cough, the classic symptoms that are out there uh, for the COVID-19 and have that, them do that as soon as possible. If someone develops that pro a problem and a has those symptoms, they should be sent home uh, to do an appropriate uh, analysis and possibly even seek healthcare options with respect to those issues. Uh, temperature checks. The governor in the state of Ohio has indicated that employers should temp should encourage, should be encouraged to do temperature checks when their employees come to work. Other types of testing that can be done, and I think that's the next phase that we're going to be going through in this crisis, is you're going to see more employers that are going to be looking to do COVID-19 testing and also the antibody testing that is uh, is being developed. We're not there yet. I think that's one thing that's clear is that we're not there yet to do the, that type of testing on a ramped-up scale, but certainly employers are going to want to consider uh, testing. And in the meantime, and also you can take health background from uh, from employees. This is a different pandemic. Typically, this pandemic has created some different issues for uh, for employers. Typically, under the EEOC guidelines, you have to be very careful, cautious about right. the types of health questions you ask employees uh, without stepping over some lines. But when you have a situation like this, uh, I would refer people to the EEOC guidelines and also if they need have any questions about whether or not they're crossing any any lines, they should consult with uh, with counsel to, to make sure they're not stepping over any of those of those uh, of those lines as they do some of this testing and are requesting some background health information from their employees. But so, given the health uh, risk, is is something that the EEOC has has is issuing some guidance on, and there's been some fits and starts with the guidance, but they are uh, indicating the testing. Let, let me ask you a question on this, if, if I could, Bob. Um, do you think that there ought to be any release? I mean, let's say, for example, I mean, I give, give you my example, okay? My employees can all work for my CPA firm. They can all work mm -hmm. from home. They can't. Yes. They don't want to, okay? So do you get a release from them? You know, getting a release from an, an employee is something that is not uh, going to really hold up. It's we uh, internally, I think that's been an issue that we've debated within the firm. And um, certainly, if you have workers, your liability is likely going to be a workers' comp compensation claim. And and most states, and uh, I think almost all of them, have an exclusivity provision that. Uh, prevents an employee from suing in negligence if they have workers' compensation coverage. And they also all, all, all have very strong uh, public policies in their statutes to discourage an, an employer from requesting a waiver of, of workers' comp. You just okay. can't, in Ohio, you, just, you can't do it. So, it, so workers' comp is, is the only thing they can do. So, so um, they, I mean, for example, these, these employees at these meatpacking plants where the, the, it's just gone rampant, they don't have a lawsuit there. They've got workers comp. That's it. There are going to be lawsuits out there and they're being tested right now. Some of the plaintiff's bars, I think, is tr are trying to, to cross over that bridge uh, and get uh, negligence lawsuits out there. There are intentional tort uh, issues that are out there, too. So the, there are some 
waivers to the exclusivity provisions of the Workers' Compensation Act where... So the, sen- uh, but- the, the Senate, so Bob, the, the Senate's been, this has actually been in the news in the last few days, that in this next stimulus bill, the Senate is really pushing hard for employers to get a liability waiver. So if they, if they already don't, if they already have a liability waiver, in other words, you, 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 and they, they just can't, you know, there just can't be a negligence. Why would we need legislation on that? Well, I think those waivers are designed to protect uh, customers, uh, pe- other people coming into Got the plant, and, and, and also other variants like that, because it may be also providing some protection against these types of negligence lawsuits that that are coming out of the woodwork where, where they okay. may not be, be based. Again, these are this is a new arena we're in. I, I'm not going to suggest that in some states that they might be some uh, variant decisions that will come down and allow a negligence lawsuit to proceed. But the, again, the typical situation here is going to be a workers' compensation claim and, and they're limited okay. to benefit. So, so, so let, let, let's say that an, an employee, okay, let me give you my example. So um, we have our little pod, right? We all created mm-hmm. our little pods and our pod in, includes my wife and I and our, uh, my wife's uh, daughter, her husband and our grandchildren. And um, so we're all, you know, kind of social distance from everybody else, right? So, um, so my my wife and myself and 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 my wife's daughter, we basically all work out of our house, right? And and yeah. so that's not an issue for us. But my my son-in-law, he works for a big company, so if if you work for a big company, and then now my wife is highly at risk due to some, some pulmonary issues. So if, if you then have, you know, require my son-in-law to go back to work, that either puts my wife at risk or keeps us from ever seeing our grandchildren until this thing is completely passed. So what, what, do, what, what rights do employees have on that? What can they do? Well, I, I think the employees in those situations are going to be uh, able to work with the employers. I think in many cases, employers are going to want to have a process that they can set up where they can work through some of these issues. I'm going to give you an example of uh, one state that has enacted a proclamation. Governor Inslee in Washington state has has enacted a proclamation for high-risk employees. And he set forth uh, some workers' rights for those high-risk employees. And that includes, uh, you know, that the employer needs to do everything possible to avoid exposing those high-risk employees to the virus. That includes the a proclamation that says that where someone has those underlying health conditions and uh, their, their rights uh, are protected uh, in terms of, uh, of their employment, and that the alternatives that they set forth in this proclamation, I think, are important. It's basically telling these employers, look, you should do all of these options before you have to make the decision to let that person go. One of them is alternative work assignments, telework, alternative and remote work locations if feasible, and again, the social distancing measures, uh, using masks and those types of PPE in appropriate situations. It, you, uh, need, they need, under this statute, they need to allow the employee to use accrued leave or unemployment benefits as an alternative to the work assignment. And again, the employees are prohibited from permanently replacing high-risk employees under this proclamation. So uh, it's a, uh, a proclamation that Governor Inslee 
passed back in, on April 13, 2020. I think there are at least one other state that may have a similar type of proclamation out there to protect high-risk employees. Which leaves 48 states without them. In the 48 states without them, I think that those employee, employees are going to have – it's going to be an uphill battle when it comes to unemployment uh, compensation benefits. Well, so, so okay, so, so, well. so uh, of course this is a state-by-state state thing, right? Because like Arizona, where I am, that's a – um, Arizona is a, you know, at will uh, state. We can fire anybody basically anytime for anything, right? Yes. So um, as opposed to like a California or, or some other states that yeah. have. They're obviously, yeah, they're obviously exceptions to that, which would include, for example, um, age discrimination. Right. Uh, 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 disability discrimination issues, which come into play here. Well, so, so, would, would, so, so let me ask you that question. Is COVID-19 considered a disability issue? COVID-19, the disability issue comes into play with someone who is, has a condition that's a permanent condition that is an, creates an immunity problem for them, puts them at high risk. Okay. That's the disability. And, that and, and, and that, make, that makes sense to me. But let's say that, okay, let's go back to my son-in-law. Okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He's that's a very right. healthy young man. My wife does. So... It would seem to me that he's not protected at all. I think your son-in-law has limited protections. That's exactly right yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. Because I, I will tell you that what the uh, that the alternatives are going to be that he self-isolate. Uh, right. You know, there are, that he can do uh, during the the course of this pandemic uh, to self-isolate and, and protect uh, his family. Um, and and again, you you see that uh, people are have to do that in in many cases when they've been diagnosed with. COVID-19, they will self-isolate. So I think that that requirement Boy. is where he would have to, you know. Yeah, it's one, yeah, but it's one thing you're diagnosed. You, you know, you're, you're looking at 14 days. Yeah. It, you know, it's I another will, thing. It's another thing if you're not diagnosed. And so you're just at risk because every single day, you know, it's, it's, it's just like, you know, you hear these politicians go, well, I got tested last week, so I don't, I don't have to wear a mask. I'm going, well, you could have gotten it five minutes ago. So you can't say that, right? Being tested for COVID-19 is a point in time. It's not like I'm never going to have it. And so the, the, the challenge here is, is that, uh, you know, the, the, I think this is a really big societal challenge, frankly. It was reported, you know, it was a big deal in Italy when, you know, Italy, of course, was really the first country that just got really hammered with this. And you had all these elderly people who were dying alone. And to me, that's like the saddest thing in the world. Right. I mean, literally brings tears to my eyes right now. Just thinking of that, of these people that have to be isolation is we are social animals. Isolation is the worst thing you can do to a human being. Literally, it is it is the worst form of torture that you can do to a human being. So what are you doing as far as people's rights by saying you must self-isolate? Yeah. And again, what I'm I'm uh, what I'm telling you is really what I think. Uh, it, it may be one of the responses. The thing I think that em- employers should look to in these situations, again, is to have that dialogue with these employees who have those risks and have those concerns uh, and try and make the best uh, best uh, process you can. For example, employers can provide for telework. They can provide for alternative work sites. They can provide for a lot of different other means that will help protect uh, that employee and keep them out of uh, the, the uh, exposure headlights. So I, I think I actually think that's probably the biggest issue here, and that is that we need to be proactive, 
And we need to be proactive in actually helping others and helping others help us. So, for example, I think right now is the time to be the best employee ever. I think right now is the best time to, to get the employer of the year award. I think right now is the best time to get the landlord of the year award. Okay. And it's also the best time to, to get the tenant of the year award. I mean, really, this is the opportunity. I think, you know, I was telling people when this whole thing started, uh, particularly the PPP process where we, you know, the CPAs, we were kind of the front line of that and still are. You know, I told, I, 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 we have a network of uh, 35 CPA firms, uh, accounting firms around the country. And I told everybody, I said, we made a decision in our CPA firm that we weren't going to charge. And I'm saying, you know what? Sometimes you ha- put money in your, in your financial bank and sometimes you put money in your goodwill bank. And I think that we've just never had such a time to, put mon- to build up our goodwill bank. And I don't, I don't think it matters whether you're an employee, an employer, a, uh, a store owner. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, yeah, I, I would, yeah, and to that point, I would make a couple issues. You do have rep- reputational uh, risks and concerns out there in terms of how you are handling this. Right. This process. I mean, that's uh, that's something that I think all employers uh, and businesses are going to need to be sensitive to. And and you also have morale issues with your your employers or your employees. You you of course the other side of that coin is the these essential uh, workforces have been dealing with this dilemma for some time now, where we've had people continuing to work and and make these sacrifices to keep uh, products on the shelves and food in the grocery stores. So, right. uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a real, as you're indicating, this is a societal challenge that we're facing like we haven't seen before. And I think an, it, an employer is well advised to try and be on the, uh, the positive side of that challenge and try and do things that they can to, to help uh, solve some of these problems. Well, and, and, and to that point, um, you know, a lot of, uh, especially single people, a lot of them rely on work for their social experience, right? That's a big part of their social experience is work. It always ha- it has been for years and years and years now. So now yeah. you're taking away that social experience. So any thoughts on, okay, how do you deal with that social experience outside of having those video conference meetings, you know, those check-ins, which, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, companies are doing on a regular basis. And I, I love that. Other yeah. than that, but that's not... That's like half an hour, right? That's maybe an hour, but that's not a regular come in and socialize. So any thoughts on, on how to deal with that side if you're an employer or even an employee? Yeah, that, those are very difficult questions. I, and, and it gets back to me that the term social distancing is I, I really don't like that term. Uh, I think <laughs> yeah, me the, neither. the term is physical distancing is yes. what we are trying to practice. So uh, I, I think from the social perspective, I think individuals and employers and companies are, are really well served to try and foster those types of Zoom meetings, events, those types of things that will help uh, keep their employees in contact with each other and keep that social network going. Because I, I, do, I agree with you, that is an important aspect. But you've got to recognize that, uh, you know, every case is different. Every employer is different. Every work site is different in this uh, situation. So it's a very difficult dilemma. And then there's no real one size fits all solution to all of these issues. But I do think you're right that social interaction and fostering that type of social interaction is very difficult. I don't know that I have the answers to it, uh, Tom, but I certainly think that that is something that employers should be considering and, and working on. 
I, I appreciate that. So here, here's what I've got um, that, that we've gone over. We do want to continue remote work and make that as easy as possible. And I suspect that's for the foreseeable future. Um, we want to do a phase in return, staggered work shifts, uh, make sure that uh, employees are required to report symptoms. And we may have to, and, and even to the point of temperature checks, and uh, we may have to get to the point of uh, regular testing. Um, so we'll see what happens there um, uh, as far as the, you know, the requirements there. But uh, the, I think the most important thing is to, um, you know, take a proactive approach to this and don't wait for the government to solve it. And Bob, I am just so appreciative to have uh, your expertise on this call today. Any, any final words, things that, you know, one or two things that you go, this is something that we haven't gone over that this is something that we really ought to be, be doing right now. Yeah, it, to, to me, uh, what if you're an employer, this comes down to developing a plan. It's no different than anything else you do in life. Uh, you need to develop a plan of action that's going to include uh, a review of those CDC guidelines, a review of those OSHA guidelines, and come up with some way to deal with this uh, with this issue so that you can safely return your employees to the work site and they can feel good about it uh, when they come into work and feel safe. And again, there's no perfect one-size-fits-all measurement, but if people are looking at the, the guidances that are out there, they can develop those protocols that'll work for them. And again, we are in a different world now, so I think we have to recognize that. And employers, again, having to develop a plan of action that you can implement is always a good starting point. I love that. That is... Um... I think those are great words of wisdom. Uh, Bob Robinault uh, with uh, Fisher Phillips. And uh, again, uh, Bob, where, uh, I know you've got a great website. Where do we go to get more information on this? Yeah, so it's fisherphillips.com, F-I-S-H-E-R-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.com. Uh, and again, uh, feel free to reach out to, to us or any of the attorneys in the firm. We have a broad uh, number of offices all around the country and uh, Again, we'd love to help out if we can. I, I, I really appreciate that. I, I think that, um, you know, our, our professions, legal and uh, accounting, have been considered essential services during these times. And I, I think it's, I think it's, I think that's, I think that's true. I think we are essential services. And we, and I, I think that a lot of uh, attorneys and accountants, professionals, financial professionals have really wanted to serve. And so I, I love that. Um, I love what you're doing, Bob. I love that you're taking the time to serve and really appreciate that. A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of employers, um, as well as employees, are just really concerned about how do I deal with this going forward? Um, this is going to be, be an issue. I would tell everybody, be proactive. Remember, this isn't just about you. It is about your community. It's about, it's about your family. It's about your community. It's, and it's about everybody else. Remember, we don't wear masks just to protect ourselves. We do wear masks to protect other people. So um, keep that in mind and be proactive in everything you do. And, and Bob, thanks again for coming. And remember, everyone, that when we take these steps, when we create a plan, and I love that, uh, Bob, when you create a plan of action, you're always going to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Thanks. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.